नमस्ते एंड वेलकम आई एम जैनील दलाल एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द डिजाइन एम बी ए विच इज अ रियल लाइफ एम बी ए फॉर डिजाइनर्स यू विल लर्न हाउ टू लॉन्च साइड हसल एंड लेवल अप योर डिजाइन करियर फ्रॉम इंटरव्यूज विद रॉक स्टार डिजाइनर्स वेलकम फोक्स फॉर दोस्ट ऑफ यूर वॉचिंग दिस एपिसोड लिसनिंग टू दिस टूडेज अमेजिंग गेस्ट इज मिंडोगिस Let me tell you why I got so excited about Mindogus. So with Mindogus what happened is he think about this way. He landed in Dublin 10 years ago today with not enough money in his pocket, barely about $1000 and he had a dream of opening his own restaurant. And then fast forward today, he's now the CEO in this new company that he started, a spin-off from OnDeck called Coho. But more than that when we were talking behind the scenes in the prep call like what should we talk about what should the interview be one thing i realized is that mendogus has always been involved in planning events just anything that involves a lot of people community building and he has learned so many things about the right way to build relationships nurture them and also mistakes that one should not make that he's so grateful to share today with us so today's whole interview is going to be about how do you build and nurture relationships and and there's no one better i think about than mindogus because he's like worked with like thousands and thousands of designers through his time at envision his uh, involvement at the design leadership forum so many other avenues so without further ado mindogus welcome to the show my friend thank you man really appreciate you give me the space and uh, especially today after the day yesterday appreciate it How did the launch go? I mean, you must be like super excited on Cloud9 right now. Yeah, it was a exhausting week for sure. Like those things are just never easy. There's a million little details that you're editing right before going live, but honestly, like doing this with an incredible team, we knew like we were confident in what we were putting out there. It what I see today in terms of the feedback and the response, zero negativity, which is just so amazing to see waking up like this morning like i'm struggling with all the notifications i'm not even going to lie it's wild so i'm curious to know you make the announcement right it goes live that hey i'm in dogus i'm the, this is the new company we're starting and i'm the ceo of coho what happens after this is it people just dming you congratulating you is it like people like can i invest in this is people like how can i help like what is that inflow or in flooding of messages what is the nature of that the mixture of those and it's kind of how we ended up right recording this is is talking about the relationships you build along the way and without necessarily strategy behind it you just invest time in people there always will be a moment where you're like this like yesterday where you're doing something huge and then you see that response right and so even leading up to this right folks that i talked to was incredible you know like i'll give you an example the chief revenue officer at Airtable Seth he and i worked together at envision but envision was a big company at the time when i was there and so he was the leader of the sales organization i was in the customer success organization right and so technically he was not even my boss but i reached out to him a few weeks ago and i was like hey seth doing this thing launching a company his first response after saying congratulations is like how can i help and you know and so those kind of things are incredible when you have a special moment like yesterday a big big moment right and um yeah building those relationships then all you would want to hear or all you would you should hear is like 
how can I help? And so, yeah, those responses rolling in, there's hundreds of them at this point. How can I help? Congrats. What do you need? You're going to be, you know, this is a big, big step. This is amazing. Like, what do you need? What can I do to contribute? It's just, it's wild. Here's the thing. Whenever you're on a rocket ship or you've got something of value, meaning like you are now the CEO of this, you know, cool, awesome growth company in an exciting space, it's like everybody wants to be involved with you now. If, I mean, I don't know how much of this is true, but if let's say five years ago when you're not doing this, would it have been difficult to get FaceTime with these people? That's the thing. If you build relationships in, a, in an authentic way, the becoming someone, let's say, because if we think about like placing value on people because of the title that they have, if you build the relationships the right way over the course of time, that should not be the moment. You know, it could be that you got promoted or you need a favor and you built that trust and relationship over time. You should be able to reach out to those folks at any point and ask them for something. So we're a small company, right? I didn't just raise a billion dollars. You know, we haven't raised any money, right? It's none of that. It's genuine. Like those relationships manifest like today and yesterday in folks not wanting anything, but wanting to give you their time. And so there's that group of people. But of course, you always have folks that want to sell you something that now see, oh, cool. Like, you know, he's doing something. Maybe there's something in it for me. Like there's always that, right? Regardless. But the crazy thing is, honestly, I have not received one sales pitch in the last 24 hours since we launched. I've All I've received is congratulations and how can I help? And the how can I help does not have a agenda behind it. So let me ask you this. You talked about right there, building authentic relationships. So now what is authentic? Like, What should one's goal be when trying to build a relationship? This is a, how long do we have? This is a rabbit hole in itself, at least how I kind of think about it or what I've done, let's say, over the course of my life. Like, what is your agenda? Let's simplify it. Let's say you're trying to build a relationship with someone. I'm going to set the parameters to make it easier. Do you have an agenda when you're trying to like connect with someone or build a relationship? I don't. And I practiced this thing over the course of the last 10 years, as you kind of talked about in the introduction, which I know has was a major contribution in me landing into this situation. Because like, when you think about the journey of like, hey, 10 years ago, I was a waiter working in like crappy hotel in, in Dublin, right? Pulling like nights till 4am, being paid next, like next to zero, struggling to pay rent, so on and so forth. And like, wait a minute, now, you know, he's the CEO of this company and in a very public eye, right? Also. So like what happened in between? And so I attribute many, many things happened and I attribute a lot of it to one thing which I did is anytime somebody reached out to me wanting my time, unless it was like very obvious, there was going to be zero kind of, it would be a waste of my time. Let's say somebody is clearly trying to sell me something and I don't want to buy it, right? I'm not going to take it. But let's say somebody introduces me to somebody I will always say yes, and I will take that 15-minute call. I won't even look at who that person is or what benefit having a conversation with that person may have to me today. I would just take the call, get on the, the Zoom or grab a coffee, and I would just talk to them. And I would go in with the expectation that nothing will come from that call. But I also know that if you like, 
if you do enough of those, have enough of those conversations, like a percentage of those will manifest in something maybe next week, maybe six months later, maybe five years later, because those 15 minutes or 20 minutes that you spend with somebody, and if you do connect as humans, but there's nothing for you to do today, if the way at least my brain works is five years later, I could be in a situation where something happens and I need something specific. And I'll think of that person I met five years ago. And they said something to me like that now makes sense. Now it makes sense. And so I'll reach back out to them and be like, Hey, remember that thing we talked about five years ago? Now's the time to do it. And so they start manifesting. Like if, if you have enough of those conversations, a percentage majority of them will go nowhere, but I guarantee you that a percentage of those will end up going somewhere. I've been doing that consistently. I give my time freely to anyone. And I've been in situations where let's say I've mentored folks over the years and I often, you know, talk about my kind of approach to, to building relationships, which this is a big part of it. And I would then offer, let's say, introduce them to somebody that I know and portion of people, the response that I would get back is like, essentially saying, this person does not have any value for me right now. Thank you, but no, thank you. And I always look at that as a mistake because, okay, today this person might not have value, but guess what? The waiter from 10 years ago now is a CEO. Right? Don't talk about me. Like I would be the one say making the offering to make the introduction, right? So it's, again, it's, we tend to often think short-term and look at a situation or our needs today and look at the person that we're being offered the introduction to and say, this person has no value to me today. But let me interject you right here. So I'm just going to put myself on the, on the scapegoat right here and just tell you like how I approach things. So I have a limited amount of time and you've got a limited amount of time and I want to build relationships. And I understand that you're saying that don't focus too much on the titles, right? But oftentimes like Let's say there's like 2000 potential candidates I could build relationships with. There's got to be some filter. I got to narrow it down. Like, well, hey, this got to have some common interest, maybe design, intersection of technology and design. Now within that, maybe someone has the title of a design partner at a VC firm. And I, I get it. It's a very prestigious title, but it also means that they have worked very hard to get there and they have a lot of experience to share as well. So I'm not saying that titles are always the case, but it also helps like filter down like who to connect with and who not to connect with. Because oftentimes, like these people know a lot of other people too. I fully agree. And so let's say you are in a position where you're in a situation where you are raising investment, right? For a company, there are avenues for you to go and do that, right? But what I'm kind of saying is like, that is one portion of what we do. There's always something that we need from someone because of the role that we do, the life that we live. There are people and services and places where you can go and get that. But in order for you to kind of, again, build those relationships that then further advance you as a person, as a human, or make impossible possible one day is building those authentic relationships. And so think about it this way. Sure, if you are in a situation today where you're raising money, you want to go, you want the relationships with those VCs. But guess what? What if you had met that VC 20 years before when they were an executive assistant and you said somebody was 
offering to introduce you to this person. And you said, yeah, this person's just an EA. I don't have time for that. But if you had said yes, guess what? 20 years later, you're raising money. And this person now is the VC that you aspire to raise money from. It becomes, instead of sifting through a mountain of incoming applications or requests for funding that they have, is a text, hey, I'm raising money. And guess what? You just skip the line. Let me share with you an analogy that I face in my life. So for example, being a practicing designer, you know, I mean, you get a lot of DMs from people. And one of the things I try to do with the podcast is, for example, if a designer or someone reaches out to me that, hey, just want to chat. So like, you know, there's some messages, just random chats. Like, hey, let's just get on a call and we'd love to chat with you. Now, I have limited time and some other things that I'm doing. So if let's say I just start giving out my time freely with nothing wrong with that, but then it's just not sustainable long-term. It just leads to burnout. Also, maybe this is not the right mindset, but I'm more of like, the reason I've done that interview about becoming a manager as a design manager for the first time is because those are the questions I was getting a lot of times from folks. Those are the questions that I had. So then my first approach is if someone messaged me to talk about that, I would rather point them to the podcast interview first and say, why don't you watch this first? It might answer most of your questions. And it's like a small hoop to jump. And if they do jump that, it shows to me that they're really interested in it. Because like sometimes I think people just want to chat with you and then they get excited by that. But then it's really not helping either move their needle or nor for you. So then if they watch that video or the episode, then I know that they really want to know and, and then I'll get on a call with them. So I don't know if that's the right or wrong approach, but that's the way I kind of approach it in your case, because someone's making you an intro, their first hoop is already crossed because it's coming from someone that you trust. Yes. To your specific example there, I do the same. Everybody, like no one has infinite time to be responding to all of that outreach. But there's some that think about that outreach to others a little differently, which is majority is, hey, like I get these all the time too. Hey, would love to chat. You know, can we hop on a Zoom with zero context or nothing in mind? Of course, like I cannot say yes to that. How I approached it, and this is where people assume because of the role that I do, right? I build communities. So it's like a very public thing. And you deal with a lot of people that I'm highly extroverted. It couldn't be further from the truth. I'm, I'm actually very introverted. So what I do often in conversations in larger groups, if you ever in the same spot and if you ever see what I do is... I tend to not say anything. I stay quiet. Like groups more than four, like I don't get involved in conversation. But what I do in, instead is I listen. And I listen to people talk about maybe a challenge that they have, a thing that they're interested in, those kind of things. And at least the way my brain is wired, three months later, could be even a year later, I could be in a situation, reading something, seeing something, and I'll think of that person that said the thing that I now have a maybe a follow-up with or a solution for. And I'll DM them and I'll say, they likely don't even know who I am, right? Hey, here's the thing you might find interesting. That's it. You just provide value to somebody. That's how you build relationships. So guess what? If they respond and they go, oh, wow, then I have the opportunity and I'm not going to say the agency, right? Because you're still asking for somebody's time. But now it becomes easier to ask for this person's time. And so to flip that back to what you were saying, if I get outreach like that to first, guess what? If their second response is, hey, by the way, you know, I'd love to chat to you about this thing. It becomes so much easier for me to say yes, because they chose to first 
provide value to me, let's say. And now they're asking for something in exchange. And again, it's, you know, you could view it as like a trick to get you on a call. But hey, like if the person thought of something six months later and they thought of you and that specific situation or a thing that you said, a problem that you're having with, and then they like remember that six months later and now they're sending you something, damn, like that is really cool and impressive. And of course I'm going to say yes. And so that's what I tend to do 100%. And I think, you know, like to kind of give a specific example is, I think we, we talked about uh, before about Soleo, right? He's a well-known investor, designer, so on and so forth. Soleo, if you're listening, hope you, uh, you're you good with me mentioning this. But seriously, you know, I had, uh, this guy is busy, right? Everybody wants, he's one of those people that naturally everybody wants their time. And so I had the opportunity to bring Soleo on for a fireside chat for our design program, you know, that I was building at, at On Deck. And so had never met the guy before we did the fireside chat. I said, thank you. Followed up with an email. Thank you. We kind of went our separate ways, right? But I also know and got to hear him talk about things he cares about for an hour, right? During the fireside chat, I was the one asking questions, but I was the one asking questions. That's a, like a unique position to be in. And so I knew what he cared about. I also know the type of stuff he passionate about investing in, so on and so forth. And so guess what? I'm going to say a year later, I just happened uh, to get two or three startups just reach out to me within a space of maybe like a month who were in his space saying like, hey, we're, you know, we're raising funding. We're looking to add some great design investor, designer investors onto our cap table. Soleo is someone we'd love to get in front of. And you may know him. Would you be comfortable, you know, sending it to, to him? And I was like, well, yes, because I know he cares about the space and we've met before. So it's not like I'm reaching out, you know, just out of the blue with some random deal. So I did. Right. And so I sent him something of value, which I don't know if he ended up investing or not, but he responded and was interested to investigate. And so, again, it's like you're kind of building that relationship. Right. And so it came to us. You're providing value up front. Right. Because, yeah. And so, you know, as we were kind of gearing up to launch the, this company, I'd reached out to him for some feedback about the business, so on and so forth. And so he ended up giving me an hour of his time, even though we were supposed to chat for, for 20 minutes. We ended up extending and, and talking for an hour. Right. And so that I don't think could have happened if you don't take kind of a bunch of steps and just care to build that relationship in just providing some value up front first and then asking for something for, you know, in return. And I never want to look at relationships that way. That's like MO is just build relationships with folks, but always knowing that there will be a day where you may need to ask for something and have just always been very careful when that is. I mean, yesterday was that day or the last couple of months. So it was really cool to kind of go to a bunch of folks and say, I did a thing and I may need like your advice, so on and so forth, your help. And the response I have gotten so far is great, happy to help. And I want nothing in return. Let me ask you this. So one of the ways that I think that you look at this is basically you look at these things as magic bullets, right? 
or maybe if there's a term like that. So why is it important to, I don't know the specific word, how to phrase it, but not just cash in on those or immediately ask for those um, intros or requests? Why is it like important to wait, according to you? Because I think it's kind of going back to uh, the specific point we we're talking about earlier is like, if you need a specific thing, there's likely places where you can go and get them. At the same time, I mean, I'm thinking of a, like a couple of situations. Like the Soleil one is a perfect example. Like you helped him out and, you know, I mean, you could have easily just said, hey, let's go on, you know, like even after providing the value, you could have just got on a chat with him for just for the, for the hell of it. But you kind of didn't do that. You waited until it was something of meaningful. We're like, hey, I've started a company. I think now it makes time maybe for me to reach out to you and request for some kind of consultation or advice. Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's kind of like, if that's how you think of a relationship is like getting something in return at some point. And it can be like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Relationships are an exchange of value. That's what they are. But it's like, just make sure it's the right time. Because if I will ask somebody to just randomly, now that I feel like I have the agency to ask them for their time, like why should it be just a random time and get somebody on a call who's super busy and just talk to them about what? Like, Ask them a bunch of questions about how they're doing, what their life is. You know what I mean? Like, if that's how you want to think about it, then damn, just I've waited with some some relationships for 10 years, for the last 10 years, you know, I've been building those relationships. And so in the meantime, just like enjoy the relationship. Like some of those folks, right, that I started off as maybe like clients when I was recruiting or whatever are now some of my best friends. Or people who I've worked with or worked for me, like I hired at some point. It's like we uh, over-index on doing something to get something in return. It's like the way I kind of look at it is like you help yourself by helping someone else. That's how I look at it. And the reason I asked you about the magic bullet is uh, some of the folks that have interviewed, for example, on the show, an entrepreneur who had a, a successful exit, he knows Alexis Ohanan. So I was like, you know, like in the moment, like, I was excited, like, hey, man, can you make an intro? So that entrepreneur was like, yeah, I mean, I can provide you an intro, but do you have something of value to add? Like, if it's just to like, hey, get in front of Alexis and just say hi, he's like, you don't get that many of these magic bullets. So I would advise that until you're starting a company or something meaningful for him to listen to, why waste this opportunity? So that's when it hit me, like, like you got to wait for the right time. 100%. And it won't, won't always work. You know, I definitely have made a, a couple of mistakes many kind of years ago where I was giving intros to a couple of folks, right? And I was raising money or thinking about raising money at, at the time. And, you know, getting an intro to somebody who literally has the keys to potentially you continuing as a business or an idea or not. And I just did not take a moment to really think about how I respond to that introduction. I literally just went straight in going like, thanks for the intro. Here's what I'm doing. And can I get like this feedback, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, it was like two introductions. I just, I'm just thinking about the response that I received. They ripped me to shreds in their response. And they were rightly so. It's because when I look at it now, I did not respect this person's time in how I formulated what I wrote. I should have taken a moment and say, these are two amazing people I just was introduced to. Do I think that what I have right now is even interesting to them? I could have saved those intros. You know what I mean? I just like never 
did just I know like that moment is so like etched into my brain that I really remember just being so excited about the intros and straight away just trying to put together an email. Here's what I want. Da, 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 da. And what came back was a clearly a manifestation of me not taking the time to respect their time or re- just respect the opportunity. Because if I could roll that back, I wouldn't roll it back because you know what? I may not be doing what I'm doing today. So that's a different conversation. But if I was to roll it back, I think I would have actually not asked for anything at the time. I love it so much because you're so like, it's so hard to find people that are willing to just publicly share the mistakes and openly talk about the learnings because nobody wants to talk about it. So what I love is you're so candidly sharing examples of like, this is what happened, what went wrong. And what would have been differently? Because now anyone listening in gets some perspective of what to do differently. I want to ask you if you could share maybe an example of where maybe you didn't nurture or manage the relationship right way. And then if you go down that path and you make a mistake in a relationship, like how do you recover from that? And I think in our prep call, there was one horror story or, or like a horror turned success story you were mentioning about from your early recruiting days. Maybe that makes sense. That was an interesting moment where I have like a couple of examples, older one kind of maybe more recent. I mean, the more recent one, maybe they wouldn't view it as such, but, you know, I've learned to communicate with folks. And like, if I, especially if I get an introduction to somebody to make sure that I respect that, and there's like a, you know, sequence of events and communication with this person and trying to making sure you, you stay true to your promise and, and your word. Right. And so David Huang from Webflow, who works with us on the design program, he's introduced me to a ton of incredible folks over the past year. Right. It's like there was a point where there was so many names that I knew just sitting in my inbox, introductions from David. And I was just like, what is actually happening right now? That was crazy. But there was a couple of people where, you know, I was introduced to them and I chatted with them. And at the time when I, when I talked to them, so one is, Randy Hunt, I think recently he was head of design at Grab. And then the other one, Sana Rao, I hope I'm pronouncing her last name correctly, where at the time of speaking to them, I thought I may be able to kind of bring them on as a similar role to David on our on our design program as like a program partner or do maybe some coaching or something like that, right? And so I went in and kind of talked about that. And then things kind of changed quickly after those conversations where I say was no longer able to do so. And then just in personal life, you know, I burnt out a little bit and then there was just changes happening work-wise, personal-wise, and I just kind of lost, like stopped communicating. I never followed up, right? And so there was like a long enough period of time, like a few months, right? Where, and it was always on, on top of my mind, like I should really let them know But like, what do I let them know? Because I don't really have a clear answer or path right now. And so I didn't. And that is not the right way to nurture a relationship, 100%. But what I did and what was always in the back of my mind was that as soon as I have some clarity, I would just reach out to them, put my hands up, apologize and say like, hey, if you're open to it, would love to, you know, jump on a call and kind of share, share more. And that's what I did. And so to your question, what do you do in those cases? You just have to be honest, like no excuses, anything like that. Just say what it is. Sorry. Like I told you this on this conversation and then I disappeared. So owning up to it, if I say to someone that, Hey, I'm going to do this, 
no, whatever, like life happens to me. You're saying that rather than just not ghosting them, but just like not responding, it's better to just own up and say that, hey, I know I said like, I was going to create this module for you, but I'm just super busy right now. I'm so sorry. I know I said I would do it for you, but I, but I cannot do it anymore. I'm so sorry. But if something changes, I'll let you know. That's what I should have done. And I didn't. And so, you know, that's again, it's one thing that just got to own it. And, but again, I did always, they were in the back of my mind and I was like, my strategy shifted from just ghosting people to then saying like, okay, I think I'll have some clarity at this point. And as soon as I do, priority should be to just send them a note, apologize and say, Hey, I can share more about, you know, where I'm at and what to think. And so, Hey, turns out I'm in London next week on a panel for an event and I'll be on a panel with Sana and we caught up, you know, a few weeks ago and I let her know about the ghosting and I apologized. So it worked out well. It's cool. And we get to be in real life and imagine how awkward it would have been if I had just ghosted her. And now all of a sudden I find myself on a panel with this person because life works in mysterious ways. By the way, thank you so much for introducing me to David Huang. I, I had a nice chat with him, super busy guy, but just really appreciate you like, you know, connecting me with him. I, I'm really, really grateful for that. This is like a relationship <laughs> coaching slash therapy session that I feel like I'm in. And I'm just like, please tell me more stories of what not to do. Anyone that comes to your mind, because I think people openly talk about like the best practices, what to do, but like rarely do people talk about what not to do and then how to do it differently. So I'm just eager to hear if you have any other stories that come to mind for you, how you do it differently or. I mean, I can share what maybe was actually, I think there were many, many moments, right? Many learning moments that kind of then shaped how I approached relationships, let's say. And, and that one you referenced earlier, like the kind of the horror story, what could have been a, a horror story. I mean, at the time, again, it's, it's another one of those moments that is just so vividly etched in my brain. It was basically, I need to give some context on, on this. After the working as a waiter, I kind of moved back. I had done some recruitment a couple of years before that. And so I went back into recruitment. That's where I discovered design, actually, and decided that, hey, I want to become a, a design recruiter in, in this agency that I was working for. And so it happened that uh, my colleague who she owned the kind of design desk at the time was leaving. And so I asked to take that over in her handover of her clients, you know, candidates, so on and so forth. She said, you know, I have this list of folks in the design industry who are well connected. You know, you should definitely build relationships with these folks. And so picture this scenario like you could not write a script for this. She says to me, let's go into this meeting room. I'm going to, we'll go through this list together, right? I'll give you some context on each person, the relationship that I have with them, so on and so forth. Right before we go in, I sent out a tweet of this really bad uh, hiring ad, which said like, this was my basically first day. I was super green, like hiring this UI and UX rock stars, blah, 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 right? Sent that out with like some graphic design that had like a dude with a guitar on it. Like, I mean, just cringe. Sent that out, going to a meeting with her. She's going through this list of people. And the one person she calls out, this guy called Owen Barra, an Irish designer. Anyway, go back, check my phone. Turns out this guy, Owen, retweeted my thing and just ripped me to shreds. He was like, I don't remember what he said exactly. Him and I tried to look for that tweet 
few years ago. We couldn't find it, but it was like bad. It was like, when would these, you know, stupid recruiters ever get it? Like, don't basically don't talk about designers this way. And I immediately just had this sinking feeling of like, my career as a design recruiter is over before it even started. Because I've just been told this guy is super connected in the design community and he just ripped me to shreds publicly. And there was like people replying, chiming in, so on and so forth, right? And I was just like, I'm done. Like, this is bad. And there was also this moment where I was like, I had two choices. One, I could sit in a corner and cry. Or what I did instead was I found his phone number in the database and I called him like immediately. And I called him, he answered the phone and I said, hey, it's Minogas from Solus Consulting was the company that I worked for. There was this long pause, silence, and then he just started, awkward silence, and then he just started laughing and he goes, whoa, I can't believe you called me. And I was like, look, man, I don't know what else to do because if this is the wrong way to approach communicating with designers, I'd love to know what is the right approach. Tell me, like, I'm really interested. And that one moment changed my whole approach in like just building design community to start with, because he then was very open. He was like, oh, this guy is green, but he's curious, like he's actually interested. And so we spent some time talking. We are actually still friends to this day. I mean, he's going to be in Lisbon in a couple of weeks for the Web Summit. And, you know, we're going to meet up and go for a beer. He was here last year for the Web Summit. We met up for a beer. I used to hang out in his design studio back in the day. And so, but aside from that, what that taught me is that being vulnerable and being curious, genuinely curious, will open any door in the world. And so then I set about being like that in terms of how I built a design community around me to make sure that I was successful as a design recruiter. But that was the moment. Right. And so a bunch of other things that kind of came from that vulnerability and just being open and saying, putting your hands up and saying, like, I don't know what you guys do, but I really want to know. So because it'll help me to be better at what I do. And in turn, when you get outreach from me, you're not just thinking, oh, here's another idiot recruiter that cannot distinguish a designer between a developer. That was like a, a huge learning moment for sure. I love this. I think the. The takeaway I got from just uh, hearing these stories, uh, the last one, and especially this one, is owning up. I think it takes a lot of uh, courage because it's awkward. It's, it's accepting failures. It's, it's uh, being vulnerable. But I really resonate with that, just like owning up to it. Like, hey, I don't have any excuse. I, you know, screwed up. And I'm sorry. I would love if you'd give me a second chance. And also just putting yourself into those, in those uncomfortable positions, right, became like a, a natural, natural thing for me after like, you know, those kind of couple of learning, learning moments, especially if we want to talk about like building the design community and how that took me from, you know, being, let's say a recruitment consultant to now to then building like design communities at a, at a huge scale around the world. Like that was definitely a massive, massive influence. I'm starting to like remember all these other stories too, talking about it. Any interesting one that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, there's, um, I mean, shortly after the story I just talked about, 
I um, that kind of pushed me right to then I was like, okay, if I'm just open and honest and vulnerable and curious, it'll help me kind of build trust with the design community. And so I actually ended up going to this UX sketching kind of session. And I knew that the two people who'd organized it. And so I'd reached out to them and kind of said like, hey, can I come along? I just want to just want to watch like how so to understand like what does a UX designer do on a daily basis? There's no other way for me to kind of see it, the process. And so I went to this, it was like a small group. I went into, I remember went into this like space where it was being hosted, a few tables set up and some chairs on the side. And I just sat on the side and then the two organizers were like, no, 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 you're going to sit and you're going to sketch with us. And I went, what? I mean, I'm not joking. I started anxiety inside me just went through the roof. I was sweating. I was so worried. And what happened there was I sat at a table with a bunch of designers. I sketched very badly. I had to stand up and present, which just on its own, even if it's standing up presenting about something that I know and I care about is like nerve wracking for me. This was like another level. I remember just nearly like physically shaking, right? And nobody in the group, aside from the organizers, knew that I was not a designer, by the way. And so what happened afterwards, we all went for drinks. And so naturally, right, people, hey, like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a design recruiter. I'm actually not a designer. And the response that I got was like, whoa, so you sat with us and you sketched with us? That's so cool. And so guess what? Building relationships with like just, you know, building that trust. It's like hey, I'm willing to be incredibly uncomfortable in order to show you that I'm really interested in what you do. Like those kind of things were huge and kind of how it shapes in just your understanding on how to approach building community or building relationships, so on and so forth. Oh my God, that is so amazing, Pindagas. I cannot thank you enough for just sharing all these insights and stuff. Thank you so much for just coming on the show and sharing these stories, sharing what to do, and most importantly, sharing how to build and design authentic relationships. Now, I appreciate you for um, having me along. Thank you, man. If you made it this far, you are what I call a Design MBA super fan. And I've got a gift for you, my super fan. Head over to designmba.show where you will find my email address. Email me one thing you learned from this podcast episode and I will get on a 30-minute call with you and help you in your career goals. See you in the next episode.